Good news, listener. There's still time to enter the Mount Gay Rum, a taste of home cocktail competition. Inspired by Mount Gay's centuries-long relationship with Barbados, the competition asked bartenders to craft a cocktail that represents what home means to them using sustainable local ingredients. Six finalists will earn the incredible opportunity to visit Barbados and compete for the national title. Head to the link in today's show notes for all the rules and guidelines and be sure to submit your recipe before submissions close at midnight on Wednesday, March 29th. Hey, this is Tim McCurdy and welcome to Vinepair's Cocktail College, a weekly deep dive into classic cocktails that goes beyond the recipe with America's best bartenders. If you've never previously concerned yourself with the fluffiness of orange juice, well, listener, things are about to change. One of two components in the simple yet delicious Garibaldi, today's episode affords us an overdue exploration into the realm of juicing OJ, as well as other varieties of citrus while we're at it. Joining us in the studio all the way from Italy via London is Luca Misaglia. Luca is the co-founder of bartender training platform The Art of Shaking and managing director partner of the beautiful rhubarb-based Amaro Santoni. While much of his career has been spent working in the top establishments of London's bar scene, Luca's Italian heritage provides us with fascinating insight into the unique cultural significance of the Garibaldi. Fluffy OJ, Campari, and alternatives at the ready. It's another episode of the Cocktail College Podcast, and it's brought to you by the Vine Pair Podcast Network. It's a beautiful day here in the Cocktail College studio. And we are thrilled to be joined by visitor to the city, Luca Misalia. Luca, ciao, bomber. <laughs> ciao, how are you? I'm doing amazing. Thank you, my friend. How are you doing today? And where are you joining us from? Uh, really good. I'm really well. And I'm, I just flew in from London. And uh, I'm extremely pleased to spend some time with you. And uh, we're going to share something. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I share many things, I think. And um just as we were doing before we started recording, though, you know, uh, listeners to this show will be aware that my background is kind of working as a chef and coming up in London. And, you know, the number of people that we've both worked with together, it just shows how small the world is, especially when you get into an industry like this. Yes. And we realize it's a, a real family in a way, mm-hmm. you know, small world, but it's a real family, our industry, hospitality. Hospitality. Yeah. And even, you know, we got those hundreds of miles, maybe even more of the Atlantic Ocean between us. But I feel like too, the the bartending communities of, of London and New York, are, are there's a real strong connection there, right? I, I, I totally agree with you. I think there is an exchange, which is not just about the knowledge, but it's about as well the, the feeling that they're bringing along together. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wouldn't say it's a, it's a competitive feeling. I, I would say that it, it's more like, you know, this, this, this attachment in, in between the two communities, mm-hmm. it's, uh, it's really strong. Yeah, it's more collaboration than competition, right? Yes, the right words, co- collaboration. Yes, yeah. indeed. And people sharing ideas. And, and to that point, that kind of... That's why you're in town right now, right? You're doing uh, you're doing a pop-up. You want to tell us about that? What's going on there? Uh, yes, in regards of that, uh, we we had the great opportunity to take uh, you know Riccardo Rossi, which is one of the uh, top bartender from Italy, uh, over to to Dante. Uh, they, they 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 are they are superb when it comes to those pop-up. Mm-hmm. So take him over from a Freni Frizioni, which is uh, a five-star. Dive bar. That's how, how I would describe it. Wow. Uh, over uh, to Dante to discover a little bit the you know the, the Italian roots mm-hmm. throughout you know uh, drinks uh, iconic drinks that we know as called as aperitivo. I think is uh, it's it's incredible and his personality it will make a big difference this week. Mm-hmm. So and that's perfect for today's episode as well because not only is like Dante's become that beacon here in New York for for spreading Italian aperitivo culture but also the drink that we're going to talk about today I'm really keen to hear your take on it and your your tips but for those who are based in New York and maybe don't get the chance to go over to London or Italy they have a cracking garibaldi down there so that's the drink we're going to talk about today I'm going to ask you off the bat here for those that aren't familiar with it What's in a Garibaldi? A Garibaldi, it's uh, an aperitivo, uh, low in ABV, mm-hmm. um, that is simply made by two ingredients. The 
history behind the drink, it comes from Giuseppe Garibaldi, which was one of the general of Italy that really helped to unify Italy from the north to the south of Italy. And uh, the two signature elements that represent one the north and one in the south, I guess that at that time for him, it was the bitter from Milan. In that case, it was Campari. And then the beautiful oranges coming from Sicily, from the south of Italy. And that is the combination of the two. Mm-hmm. So Garibaldi is a two-ingredient cocktail, replicable all over the world. Mm-hmm. Obviously, uh, when we talk about uh, cocktail bars, we really like to get ourselves down to techniques. Yeah. You know? And uh, we see bars from around the world that they're playing with it. There is many ways how to extract, for example, the, the actual juice. Yeah of the orange, right? You can uh, squeeze it, you can juice it, uh, you can centrifuge if you want. Mm -hmm. And this centrifuge um, uh, way, I guess, is really giving that frothy sensation, silky Mm -hmm. uh, mouthfeel. And it's it's, uh, one of the iconic uh, cocktails as well that we realize in New York, you really uh, take on on the community from, you know, from the Dante's bar. So I Iconic think drink, yeah. if, you, if you ask me, what is a Garibaldi? It's a great aperitivo cocktail. Mm-hmm. That's what it is. And for yourself, so you spoke about there being just two very simple components there. Uh, obviously, the whole purpose of this show is looking at things that maybe seem simple, but, but pulling them apart even more and, and taking the drink hopefully to the next level. But when it comes to yourself, just as a bartender and creating drinks... Do you tend more towards that where it's like creating things that are simple but really technique forward, so not too many ingredients? Or have you maybe yourself just gone more in a direction of like creating proprietary ingredients and and maybe multiple components that maybe drinkers can't recreate at home? So you're giving this experience of like, this is worth going out to a bar for. Like, where do you stand from a philosophical point of view there with drinks? When it comes to that point, um, I think the essential part for me is the evaluation of the ingredients, right? So when you have an opportunity to have different type of ingredients, I've been growing up in Italy, and for us, oranges, you go to the supermarket, you have six, seven different type of oranges. Next to it, you have a grapefruit, uh, yellow grapefruit, pink grapefruit, uh, you have mandarins, then you have bergamots, and then you have... Uh, cedro, so uh, citron. So you have a fantastic world of element, right? Mm-hmm. So for me, it's uh, much, you know, how the initial product is and then see from there, how can I touch it as less as possible uh, in order to maintain its own characteristic. When it comes to citrus, what you need to keep in mind is that, yes, you have the juice, which is the important part to give texture. But let's not forget the essential oil which are in the skin. Right. Those, they makes a huge difference in mm-hmm. everything you do. So if you think about it, you can start to play really simple. When you squeeze, you know, the, the peel of a bergamot, you will see the oil coming out. And that is just literally, wow. So fragrant. It, it, it's, it, it's, it's something that, you know, it takes you, you know, yeah. from your nose perspective, you're like, okay, I'm engaged with this drink that I'm about to have, and then I'm going to taste it. So um, seeing the innovation, yes evaluate the ingredients, eventually play as well uh, with different techniques. You know, uh, that is an experiment that as a knowledgeable uh, bartender, uh, you want to see different ways, you know, like Mm -hmm. as I said earlier, like you can squeeze it, you can centrifuge, you can do whatever you want. Uh, But that's, I guess, it's really key uh, to get to the final result. And option about, you know, a a Garibaldi, how I see it. Um, myself, I'm a big fan of grapefruit, for example. Uh, for me, pink grapefruit, uh, when he's well matured and he has this uh, sour and bitter taste, for me, it's fantastic. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just like he, it's adding the third dimension that I'm looking for a Garibaldi. Right. Yeah? Yeah. So it's just not like the sweet part from the sweet orange, but you have slightly sour and bitter. 
So bringing in some some extra layers of complexity there, because that's something that I think we'll get into when we're talking about the orange juice too. And we speak about a lot about on this show where it's like it is a it, you know a citrus fruit, maybe it is or maybe it's not officially. I think it is officially, but the idea that it doesn't work as a quote unquote citrus component for your cocktail if you're looking for acidity there, right? On the same yeah. way that a lemon or a lime might. So we can get into that, but. I think just one of the things I want to call out when we look at the history of this drink too, the unification of of Italy as a country is actually a much more modern thing than most of us probably realize, especially here in the States, right? Like Italy as a, as a country officially is younger than the US, even though we have all of these yeah. regional traditions um, and ingredients and things and customs and and history that goes back so long. It's relatively, I'm saying that with air quotes, modern. Um, how does this, or when does this drink first kind of officially come together kind of time-wise? Um, yeah, what's the history there? So I I guess, uh, let's go one little step behind. Yeah. You know, Italians really like to spend their time at the bar. We invented the mm -hmm. style of being at the bar. Mm -hmm. And we start with the coffee. You know, that's that's the whole begun. Then further down the line, with a little coffee, it starts to be a little bit of nibbles, food, you know, which she was uh, next to that. And then obviously, you see from the perspective of a, of a business owner, we are talking in uh, the Renaissance time, you know, like yeah. you would like uh, the, the people around you to spend as much time as possible in your place. And getting an offer that will get them really relaxed, you know, uh, really like, you know, uh, chill and having a good time, it was the option to go. Florence, for example, has been one of the countries where the actual uh, elixirs, the first type of alcohol and infusion of botanical used to be made with an additional part of um, a sugar cane. Mm -hmm. So that is the first uh, opportunity that we have to talk about uh, liquors. And I guess culturally is where everything is started is literally uh, uh, right there. So starting from the moment that the recreative purpose for something that used to be used as a medicinal, mm -hmm. you know, without the sugar, it was uh, uh, one of the kind of medicine used to be used to healing yourself. Uh, it started to become culturally a point of, uh, a meeting point, you know. You will uh, find your friends, you will have a little uh, digestive after your dinner, and then where everything began. But culturally, I will say, that uh, Italy, he has this thing of uh, having a drink before your dinner. The yeah. aperitif, no, the aperitivo. No. And you can really experience it. Once you're in Rome, Milan, Florence, Venice, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, no? for sure. <laughs> 5.30, you see everyone oh, outside, the best. outside the bar with a little yeah. uh, a drink, which is usually, it's something really light. It doesn't need to be a killer, yeah. you know? Um, then the fact that it, it comes with some food, I guess, is the next level, you know? Yeah. It's, this, it's the next step. It's like, you, you are there, you're going to have one, two, mm -hmm. and then you're going to make your way anywhere you need to go. Yeah. And this is a drink, therefore, that kind of, we, we spoke about, signifies the unity of Italy as a country, but is there one region more than any other that it's perhaps most associated with? Maybe Milan because of the Campari ties or maybe somewhere else? Like where, where would you say this drink is most popular maybe in, in Italy? I will say the two cities that for me are key in Italy uh, probably will be uh, Turin mm -hmm. and uh, Milan. Mm -hmm. um, the reason why I'm saying those two is because the, the brands behind, you know, as we talk about Martini and then we talk about Campari, you know, Turin, uh, Milan, they uh, build culturally the, their own bars where they were serving their drinks. And that it really has been a benchmark, you know, uh, for the rest of, of Italy. So I will say at, at Turin, it will be slightly less, uh, but Milan, 100%. It's probably the place that is uh, consumed the most. Mm -hmm. uh, believe me, the oranges are coming from Sicily, probably in Milan, are much fresher than that one you can find in Sicily. Really? <laughs> now Sicilian <laughs> will kill me. But, <laughs> but just talking about, yeah, maybe that, maybe they're paying a little bit more for it or whatever. That tends to be the case. The bigger city gets access to the better produce, right? Yeah. Exactly that. Or maybe, and this is no slight on Sicilians, of course, but maybe 
might have a more discerning drinker or maybe a slightly pickier drinker when it comes to who their regular customers are versus in Sicily, maybe folks are less concerned with this style of drinking. I don't know, but it's interesting to hear. I think um, the the fact that uh, Sicily has those beautiful oranges, right? They're really sweet. Um, they actually combine it, uh, not that much, in my opinion, when it comes to a cocktail. Right. Uh, in the north, between Turin and Milan and Venice, those mm-hmm. three cities, the culture of having an aperitivo, it's extremely strong. Right. Everyone hard worker, until five o'clock, you pushing, pushing, pushing. After we're like, now I need to go to the bar mm-hmm. and I need to have my little aperitivo. That's that's the thing. That's that sounds style. like paradise right now. <laughs> sounds amazing. <laughs> and and that is what is uh, it gets you really involved in into that uh, system culture system. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I I I experience really 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 good aperitivo uh, in Milan, Venice, and Turin. Mm-hmm. I have to say more than uh, everywhere else as an aperitif. Yeah, and let's look at the ingredients now. Actually, no, before that. In terms of just a profile of a cocktail, you mentioned some of the things earlier, and we will get into the technique more, but kind of texturally and flavor-wise from um, considering like bitter to sweet and everything in between, like where do you want this the profile of this cocktail to land, the perfectly executed version of this drink? Like how, how should it be texturally and then flavor-wise? When it comes to texture, I think it needs to be a really subtle balance in between bitterness and sweetness. Mm-hmm. That's how I see it uh, when it comes to the texture. On the flavor profile, I will say that it's uh, it needs to maintain a certain balance, but the actual orange juice that you're using, it needs to have that flavor that is not just an, another orange. Mm-hmm. It needs to be something that, wow, that's really citrus. Mm-hmm. This is really sweet. This is like has something to it, you mm-hmm. know, and I I think the flavor wise the importance is the main ingredients uh, mm-hmm. as the actual orange itself. Yeah, I mean even here in the in the US you can find extremely good oranges. I have to say California is one of the biggest producer, and you know I've been doing a lot of researches about citrus back in the days. Yeah. for my own uh, uh, good, <laughs> and uh, I I discovered that. Uh, most of the, the best oranges that are not is actually from, from Italy, even if we are really good on selling it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Probably well, that's half the story there, the old marketing. That's always a big part of the story, right? And <laughs> Italian not really well. Yeah, yeah. And I tell you who as well, particularly from, from Italy, Campari, they've always done a great job of like, not just with their hero product there, but you look at Aperol and how the Aperol Spritz took over the world. We've spoken about that on this show before, just, you know, incredible marketing and selling this idea of like the Italian aperitivo culture, which may be specific to a region or may represent the whole country. Um, Talking about those ingredients too, though, we can start with Campari and unless I'm mistaken, orange or orange peel is at least uh, a pretty major ingredient in this um, bitter aperitivo. So it would only make sense that pairing it with orange juice, right? Like they're just like natural siblings right there for them yes. to pair together. Yeah. Um, uh, yes, I think that the pill in in this specific scenario, it's uh, really essential uh, for one reason, that those aromas, that the essential oil that are coming out, they give you another length. You know, it's another layer of aromas, another layer of flavors yeah. that is adding so if you think it's one ingredient, but if you play correctly mm-hmm. with the correct juicing system yep. <laughs> or extraction, let's call it like that, and the essential oil, that is becoming something completely mm-hmm. different. I like to blend things. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I like my Garibaldi in, even with, with a bergamot sometimes. Ooh. And we'll get into that citrus. I guess the, the only question for Campari I have here, because it's an ingredient we've covered a lot. Most of our listeners, if not all, will be very familiar with we're starting to see some alternatives out there. Is that a crime to use an alternative that's not Campari and a Garibaldi? Or have you ever come across alternatives that you're like, actually, this isn't the classic, but I really like using this for this reason? 
crime, crime, crime. <laughs> uh, I'm not sure about the crime. Yeah. Uh, what, what can I say? I, I guess that, like, I guess another one that's widely available here yeah. in the US is Select, which yeah. is from the Veneto, right? Yes, yes. Yeah. yeah. So different style, um, but again, is that the profiles are fairly similar, but yeah, not exactly the same. Is that something you might use? Or are you using it if you don't have Campari? And also, what situation do you not have Campari? I don't know. <laughs> well, the, the thing is that, you know, in our mentality, especially when you play with cocktail, the beauty of it is that you can play with different flavors. Once you understand the system, how it works, you can actually diversify based on, uh, on what, what you are looking for. Mm -hmm. The option, for example, with Campari, it's great. It's a classic. Mm -hmm. But why not jumping into something else? From my point and perspective, for example, and I, I, I love rhubarb, yeah. you know, yeah. thinking about, you know, whatever is something yeah. like uh, an aperitif, Amaro Santoni is coming from Florence. Rhubarb is great. Yeah. Still keep the orange as it is. Just switch it to something else that actually has an extra length of rhubarb. Yeah. And we're gonna we're definitely gonna dive into that a little bit more later on in today's show because we've got a nice little surprise here for for us in the studio at least. Uh, hopefully the listeners will enjoy it too. Um, so Campari, okay, pretty much non-negotiable. If Campari is there, then you're probably going for it. It's the classic Garibaldi ingredient, right? Um, before we move on, the Shikarato. You familiar with this drink? I am. I don't think it's one that we've spoken about before and. I think we should maybe get into it because this, this, to me, highlights the incredible complexity that something like Campari has in terms of like you can prepare it in a way that changes the profile that's very simple. So tell us all about the Shikarato. When it comes to Shikarato, I think it's a, a beautiful moment because it's the absolute one ingredient, if you think about it. So it's Campari and then... It what are we be, doing? I can tell you, it can be only Campari. Yeah. It can be just on its own. It's just chicken. And served, you know, usually in a little coupe or mm -hmm. a little martini glass as 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 as, as the bar decides to, to to share it. For example, if you go in uh, in Milan and mm -hmm. the Camparino uh, bar, the beauty is that probably one ingredient, so you can add on another ingredient. Mm -hmm. In my opinion, for example, I like it with another Amaro. Ooh. For me, Chinar, it's a wonderful uh, Amaro that he has these herbal notes, really strong, different perspective mm -hmm. uh, from Campari side. But combined together, just shaking, basically your, your, your main ingredient is the ice. You're, so you're just shaking the hell out of this thing with, are you using a lot of ice in that shaker tin or maybe just one or two decent like cold draft cubes to get that dilution and to shake for a long time in the aeration? I will say... Uh, there is two schools in regards of this, and you literally just just mention it. Um, from my point of view, I really like it with a lot of ice, and I tell you why. Because in first place, I really like to keep under control my temperature, and the way personally I shake, uh, or you know, I, I see uh, people around around myself, my my niche, we're shaking really strong. You okay. know, like <laughs> we, we we give it that kick. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you can generate and create that kind of nice, foamy, frothy layer mm -hmm. right on the top, still with a lot of ice. But nothing to say that if you put two ice cubes, obviously, yes, it will take longer time. You give a good aeration. Yes, the system, it works. Mm -hmm. But from my point of view, I will go straight in with a lot of ice. And then single or double strain, fine strain into a, a chilled glass there. I will be controversial probably about it. Mm -hmm. And I will say we no double strainer. Mm -hmm. And the reason why, because I like those little, the little chips chip. in between the layer of the froth and the actual liquid. Mm -hmm. I personally, they're hidden. Yeah. Just <laughs> like that, they're hidden. I can be controversial. They can tell me maybe, you know, it's not the cleanest mm -hmm. way how to serve it. But if it's my uh, necessity. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so nice. I, I do like it like that. And would you, when you are introducing another uh, component there, you mentioned Chinar, would you go 50-50 or maybe two to one on the Campari to the Chinar? What are you thinking about there? Or does it really depend on the ingredient? I personally go equal part. Equal parts? Uh, it's really simple. Wow. You know, that you, you got a kick from one side and the other, and then you see with the ice add-on in, into, the, into the mix, we will see 
who is mm. going to be the winner out of it? <laughs> it's wild as well. Like we're talking about here, like a bona fide. I mean, that's shikarato, just the Campari in its own. That's a bona fide cocktail in a way, but it's one ingredient, right? It's it's wild. Or you bring Amaro into it, and it's also you're not using citrus. You're not bringing a, a sweetening agent into this, but complex cocktails that are balanced and that work. I don't know. That blows my mind that you can just do that. So I figured that'd be a good one for us to cover while we're chatting about Campari here. Sure. Sure, absolutely. Two for one for the listeners here, or three for one now, because we've got the Garibaldi <laughs> and the two versions of that. So, you know, don't say we don't spoil you here on Cocktail College. This is, you know, this is what we're giving back to the listeners here. Um, but it sounds like maybe the area for most exploration for this cocktail is the orange juice plus maybe additional citrus. So talk us through... You've mentioned them before, but the different methods for extraction is, I think, a good word that you used rather than juicing because there, some of them might not be specifically juicing. Tell us the different methods and why you might use each approach. Yes. Um, when it comes to juicing, I, I say this because uh, we, I've been analyzing really closely. And personally, it's not something that I've done uh, all on my own. But there's been something that has been developed as well with Simone Caporale. Mm-hmm. Both of us, we are owning this um, uh, online school, which is called The Art of Shaking. You should check it out. And we did one chapter where actually Simone was telling me, like, let's analyze every single type of method of juicing. And why we're doing that? It's really simple to show you the final result, but as well, you know, um, the, the, the way that actually the citrus get treated. Mm-hmm. Um, if we look at the, let's say, the three iconic way, you know, the Mexican album, yeah. you squeeze it. The beauty of it is that you're getting the juice out of uh, your limes. Let's take an example. And then at the same time, you have the essential oil that it gets spread around. Yeah. So that it will give an extra length to your drink mm-hmm. because it will go into your juice and that juice get used to produce your drinks. Right? Right. So that is example number one. Example number two, when you use uh, centrifuge mm-hmm. and then what you are doing, you're actually discarding the pulp and you're keeping things really light. So the centrifuge would be those mechanical kind of juicers. You cut your exactly. orange in half and you put it on there, you press it and it's, it's, it's something is like spinning around. And you well, it, uh, no, no, actually it's not. Um, I, I tell you because the actual orange, what, what you are doing is you're taking the whole orange, okay. you're taking the peel out mm. and uh, the, the white pith. So whatever is all over and covered, you try to leave the orange as clean as, as possible and you drop it right from the top. On the bottom, you will have a blade that mm-hmm. is spinning extremely fast. What does it do? It's actually getting the, the, the thicker part uh, towards the outside of the container. And what is it going down is just the juice. Ah, okay. So it's a, uh, yeah, it's cent- centrifuge. Yeah, yeah. In the UK. Sorry if, if no, I don't no, use no, the correct no. American <laughs> word for it. <laughs> I'll be honest, I don't even know what the correct word is here. But yeah, no, so I understand what you're saying. So it's almost like a blender, but that, that, that spinning motion is pushing, as you said, the solids to the side so that the, the juice itself just passes down and that's... So it leaves you with a fairly clean juice there, a fairly like... Light, foamy, uh, really aerated. You know, it's it's wonderful. Mm-hmm. And this is for us is the example number two. Yeah. The number three, uh, it's the the usual example of taking the orange, cut it right in the half, and squeeze it. So mechanically, yeah. you are pushing down an orange uh, towards the machine, and the machine does the work. Is actually spinning and is getting the juice out. Yeah. But that it has another result. So those three are three different results, three different tastes. Mm -hmm. For example, the last one, you are losing whatever is the essential oil. Because you're not, because it's the inside of the fruit and you might be picking up some of the the white pith there as well. Exactly. So that part, it could be really bitter. It depends on uh, the actual bartender or barbecue, who is doing it. How is the pressure that uh, implement to the the orange? Mm -hmm. So that's our kind of small differences. But believe me, a cocktail, with those three different uh, juices, you surely can notice the difference. If you really pay attention to this, for mm-hmm. simple cocktail as a Garibaldi, you will. Yeah. Um, so. And your preference of these three? It depends what I'm going to do with it. Okay. So I pick a cocktail for it, okay? Yeah, let's do it. 
uh, Mexican album, Daikari. Like for me, it needs to be fresh, made at the mo- you know, I need to yeah. feel it. You know? So that the hand squeezer there, the ones that people will have seen, they're usually like yellow, you cut the fruit in half, yeah. The hand it, juicer. It, exactly. Yeah, it's yeah. three ingredients. You know, you have your 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 cassia sugar, yeah. then you have your lime, and then you have your rum. That's yeah. it. Simple is. The centrifuge, I will use it personally for the Garibaldi. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, you are losing the essential oil because you're taking out from the skin. Yes. But right there, when I serve my Garibaldi, I give that little twist right on the top. I'm using the peel that I actually discarded before. And that is what, it was getting me to the third dimension that I was talking about. Got it, got it. Yeah? Nice. Then, for the third example, what I will do is just an orange juice. Mm -hmm. (laughs) For a mimosa, maybe. (laughs) You know, you got brunch going on. (laughs) Something really simple like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, then. Here's some more questions for you. So we're going with that second method, the centrifuge. Is that something, therefore, that, you know, you talked about how fluffy that juice comes out. Is that something that you're doing to order with this drink? Or can you prep it in advance and it maintains some of that fluffiness? Yes, you can prepare it before Mm -hmm. uh, the shift. Absolutely. You can do for the shift. Yeah, it's really simple. You know what? When you bottle it, you leave a little gap in between uh, the cork. Mm -hmm and the actual liquid. And before you serve it, you just shake it. Okay. You shake in the bottle, you're creating that emulsion that is needed mm-hmm. to get this nice and cool foam. Of course, if you have the time and your bar it has this tailor-made type of service, why not do it on the moment? Yeah. It's beautiful having a bunch of oranges. They're not just there because you need it, but they're beautiful, you know, maybe blood oranges. Yeah. They, they look and painted. It will get your, you know, guest yeah. involved with you. It's like, what are you doing there, you know? So using that method, if you've prepped it in advance, chances are you probably want to do that if it's like a Friday night or whatever, you're expecting a lot exactly. of guests, right? Are you therefore keeping all of your ingredients cold? Are you keeping your Campari cold too? Or when you approach the, the preparation of this drink... Are you doing any shaking in a tin with ice just to to chill it down beforehand? I'm just thinking about temperature of ingredients here when it comes to the drink. Okay. Um, uh, Paying attention to temperature, I will say that, of course, the orange juice, it must go uh, in the fridge. As soon as you've Uh, juiced it, yeah. If you prepare it beforehand, Mm -hmm. okay? If if it's freshly squeezed, um, I will say that probably keeping your oranges in the in the fridge and a little exposition, it will be really good. And you use whatever and you keep cycling around. The Campari doesn't have a necessity to be in the fridge. Um, the Garibaldi with, with the Campari itself, I think it can be simply whatever is the room temperature. Okay. Because anyway, it will be just about that cold, you know, that it, it will work out. And then it's up to the bartender how to serve it, you know. Mm-hmm. Maybe we can dig a little bit more into that. Yeah. But in terms of just standard practices, how you would do it, you're not too worried, therefore, about like bringing the Campari down super cold or even doing like a pre-shake just to mix here. This is this is one, again, we're going to get into this, but you're building in the glass. You're building in the glass, yes. Um, let's keep in mind that as a bartender, it's your duty to make sure that you're cocktail glass are cold. Right. So uh, that is a good thing because mm-hmm. you have your oranges, which is kind of cold, and then you have your glass. Mm-hmm. And then eventually you will use ice or maybe not, but still, like, you are there. Mm-hmm. If it's a warm glass from the top of the coffee machine, then... Done. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah, this ain't the drink. I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm not sure, you know. Yeah, that's an interesting point. And another one too, you see different examples of this drink out there, some of which are kind of like fully, emulsified is not the correct word, but that kind of idea where they're fully mixed together. Then I've seen version of of this drink where it's kind of like split. So you have that orange juice bleeding into the Campari or vice versa. Keen to hear your thoughts on, on what the best practices are there because I imagine one, the first one is like a more consistent drinking experience, but the second one looks cool. Uh, yes, I think you're you totally right because I guess when we talk about liquid ideas that they turn into cocktail, you need to um, put in like a, a little space as well for the visual part. Yep. That, you know, the great taste, it looks good, you're sustainable in what you're doing, 
but the look as well, it, it gets you there. So, I mean, there is the, the, the two ways are really interesting. Um, I like it as well when it's split. Yeah. And uh, if I'm part of the interaction with the drink, I like it even more. So right. if you give me something to steer it, you know, like, you know, that, that it gets me, it, it gets me like, that's cool. Yeah, because <laughs> again, this is such a simple drink, but therefore being able to have an interactive component where you as a, as a drinker, as the, as the guest, get to kind of be involved in changing how this drink tastes, that's pretty cool. It is. And I'll say that, you know, if you build the experience correctly uh, with the interaction, so if I give you the split drink, uh, without the steerer or without anything that I can play with, then there it's a missing experience, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. I would prefer that you actually steer it for me and you give it to me. Yeah. Otherwise, I will say that, you know, if you give me the part of interact with it, yes, I yeah. like it. Nice. Do it, do it well. Otherwise, do, do not do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, be, have, have purpose, have intention. Um, we're going to ask you now to therefore... Talk us through your preparation for this drink, what you believe to be the ideal. Or before we move on from citrus, do you want us to maybe talk about some of those other ones that you might use in this, like grapefruit or bergamot? Do you have anything else to say or have we covered that sufficiently, do you think? I think like bergamot is always in my heart. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's not just for the aroma, Mm -hmm. uh, but it's something that... When you make a drink with it, you know there is something else. You know, the, mm-hmm. who, whoever is your guest that is drinking is like, what's that? You mm-hmm. know, uh, because you can recognize it, but you don't know. So one of the versions that I really like it, it's uh, getting something like the, the, the three citrus together. You know, you have this blood orange, mm-hmm. which is red and it's sweet and it's fantastic, the, 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 the texture. And then you have a little touch of grapefruit just to give a little extra, you know, bitterness. Mm-hmm. And then you're using the aroma of the bergamot on the top. I will say is the three citrus Garibaldi. Wow. <laughs> and if you're breaking that down in terms of ratios, I'm assuming the blood orange is going to take up the main, but would that be like 2-1-1 one, one, or what are you thinking there when it comes to like what the makeup... I know we're talking about fresh ingredients here, so it's it's all about to taste really, but roughly speaking... What's your ratio? I will say uh, two parts of blood orange juice, one part of grapefruit juice, then uh, one part and a half of the the bitter, Mm -hmm. and then the bergamot will use only the aroma, not juices. Just a twist there on the top. Yeah, because like this, you showcase the, the citrus you know, how they actually get applied to a drink. Nice. And so that, but at no point here, you're talking about orange and, and grapefruit. You're not tempted at all to bring in some citric acid, some malic acid, maybe just in terms of like bringing that actual acidity by, or this drink doesn't need it. I do not think it's needed. Okay. I find out, I want to say something mm-hmm. that actually over this period of time, we've been replicating a lot of aperitif. And when it comes to uh, Garibaldi, every bar likes it to have that extra extra kick. Extra. Mm-hmm. But sometimes ask yourself as a bartender, is it really needed? Right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You know, like, sometimes it's beautiful like how it is. Citric acid, it's great for a certain result. Yeah. But if you challenge yourself to not use it, you're more brave than actually put it in just to have an excuse to write it on the menu. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I think that gets to this great point, which is like the... Some drinks are meant to be sweet or some drinks are meant to be bitter or sour. Like finding balance doesn't just mean everything being completely level. So equal sweetness to acidity to bitterness, right? Like sometimes the balanced version of the drink is a sweet drink, which you could talk about this potentially being, right? You got the bitterness from Campari, but this is one of those and therefore... Yeah, we don't need straight up like citric acid or whatever to boost that side of it, right? That absolutely the natural version is balanced in a sweet way. Uh, yes, yes, you said it all. You know, like uh, sometimes it's the style, mm-hmm. you know, that is it gets you for for that. You know, so when it comes specifically that you know the the, the Garibaldi. It's a, it's a sweet drink. It comes yeah. sweet. And is thankfully, because the orange is sweet. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and if not, then you got problems. We, <laughs> you know what I'm trying to say. Yeah. You know, like, let's take advantage that it is like that and let's evaluate. You it's know? a celebration, yeah, of that real nice fresh produce there. Yeah. No, I love that. I love that idea of doing the three citrus Garibaldi there too. I, I imagine a lot of listeners will be like, oh, okay, okay, this is how we're taking this to the next level. Uh, I know I immediately want to try that. Not that I have a centrifuge, but we'll get around it. Um, cool. So now if you could go back to that question, actually, that I, I mentioned before, but just talk us through the preparation and ideal build of this drink. If you were to say, um, Luca, I never tried a Garibaldi before. I want a version that's true to the ideal of the drink, but the best possible version. Can you talk us through making that now, including measurements for ingredients and spec and build and all that kind of thing? Sure. When it comes to Garibaldi, I think uh, you, you need to keep in mind that it's a simple drink. So do, do not complicate yourself, uh, your life. You know, don't take out your shaker, leave it on the side for now. You know, mm -hmm. like think about the beauty of a glass and start to think about the ingredients. So one of the versions that I really like, it's the uh, three citrus uh, Garibaldi. Three citrus in, in, in one drink, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's the absolute citrus, we can call it, you know? Uh, cocktail Garibaldi. Nice. Um, and we can start in a simple way where we actually grab the best oranges, probably blood orange, beautiful, and we utilize as a centrifuge. So we are discarding the thick part of the orange, so mm -hmm. all the pulp, the pulp and we yeah. are taking only the physical uh, water, the, the physical juice. Yeah. Okay. So that's, it will be step number one. And I will do the same exact thing for the grapefruit, pink grapefruit. Pink grapefruit, why? Uh, in my opinion, has that bitterness, which is has a more depth than whatever it could be, the yellow uh, grapefruit mm -hmm. so that it gives you an extra life and it looks much better the color is cool <laughs> <laughs> it's pink yeah everything that is pink is, is much better mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. um, so I will have those ingredients ready on my table squeezed and etc my proportion it will start always from the cheap ingredients you know from the old days they always taught me you start from the cheap ingredients and you move up so I will grab the grapefruit and I will use uh, one part and a half. Actually, I will use two parts. Okay. Really, really, really simple and and, uh, and effective. Then I will move on on the orange. And I will take about two parts, two parts and a half, a little bit more. And I will build it into my glass. Really simple. Drop it in. Uh, leave it there. You will see this beautiful combination of the, of the two elements. Mm -hmm. And then I will go with the bitter. The bitter, yes, can become party if I want to stick into the sharp and classic. Otherwise, I will move on into something a little bit more different, like a rhubarb, as I mm -hmm. said, Amaro Santoni, things of this kind that gets me a little bit more excitement. What, what's that? You know, mm -hmm. Just put everything in the glass and uh, at this stage, you have two choices. If you select a glass, which if it's ice, then you can put the ice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise, if you're one of those really minimalistic that are looking for those tiny aperitivo glasses that usually they're used for Bellini style yep. in, in Venice, you don't need it. All you've done is there. That's mm -hmm. it. And it will be uh, look really foamy. It will look really beautiful. Probably you will need to add a little bit more juice. Got it. To get that nice wash line on the exactly. top. Exactly. Then... As we said, it's a three citrus Garibaldi, right? So the last touch is that frost. You can break it down the bigger bubble throughout the essential oil from the bergamot. Mm -hmm. So you don't use any juice. You just cut it down. I don't know how easy it can be to find a bergamot in New York. Ah, it's probably out there somewhere. But yeah, it's very seasonal, isn't it? But Any, if you can get it... Anyone out there yeah. that knows... <laughs> Let a, us know. Yeah. A, 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 anyone that is selling bergamot, please you know, <laughs> reach us out. Um, but I, I think that is like, you have this aroma that is recalling a bit a, a perfume, a little bit like, you know, the Aqua di Parma style, you know, mm. that it has bergamot. And then you're like, oh, that, mm -hmm. that, that's done for me. Yeah. There is nothing else to add. I don't want anything in my drink. I like it how it is mm -hmm. and then you're probably going to drop in a straw there as well so that people can mix it themselves like 
if you have the space there and the ice and yeah. I like it. I tell you something. I will not use the straw, but the stirrer. A stirrer, okay. Because the straw, if you put it there, you will use it. And then you lose that mouth feel that you want on your mm. lips. The good Garibaldi, you recognize it for one thing, that when you drink it and you put it down, you have the moustache. <laughs> like the chocolate. Yeah. So same thing, you know? Mm-hmm. That's what it is. And So a stirrer. And I was also thinking too, like, yeah, you're probably going to be getting rid of most of the pulp when it comes to the centrifuge, but some might make it in there and then that gets in the straw and then the straw gets clogged. It's just a whole thing. No need. <laughs> it does, yeah, exactly. It doesn't, yeah. It, it doesn't work out. <laughs> nice, nice. All right, three citrus Garibaldi. Very nice. Um, any final thoughts here on that drink um, before we move into the next part of the show, the Garibaldi? Well, um, I think we said quite a lot about yeah. it. I would like to remark the fact that, yeah, uh, I will see a Garibaldi like a, a hot chocolate. When you hand out with your moustache, yeah. th- then, then it means it's a good Garibaldi. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> That's the perfect sign right there. I love it. Okay. Fantastic. Well, we are going to head into the next part of the show now where we where we bring up our five recurring questions. Uh, before we do so, though, I'm just going to pause for a second here, fill some glasses. Tell us what you brought in for us to try here. By the way, we always love it when our guests bring something in for us to try in the studio. So what is it? This You've, you've hinted at it earlier with this, um, you know, rhubarb, but tell us about what you brought in today. And first of all, this is something that's available in the U.S., right? Uh, yes, yes, mm-hmm. yes, yes. This, this is like the aperitivo born in Florence. Okay. And uh, it's called Amaro Santoni. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's an Amaro that it takes its roots back in the days. You know, the Santoni's family has been a key family for the production of rhubarb liquor back in the days. So they've been producing rhubarb since uh, 1957. Mm-hmm. So what we wanted to do, it was rethink how a rhubarb liquor should be today. Mm-hmm. And being an amaro served as an aperitif, that's what makes a big difference because an amaro is a digestive. Yeah. We know, you know, we have fernet after our meal or fernet branca, whatever you, you prefer. But when you think an amaro before your meal, it's a different... Uh, different proposition right there. Different proposition, game changer. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so... So let's 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 try this. Let's crack it open. Uh, what are, what was your preferred serve here for us to try this as we get, we head into the just a glass? Uh, well, I think it's really good on its own mm-hmm. uh, with uh, ice. Mm-hmm. If you have ice at home or in your bar, for sure you yeah, do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I think it's fantastic because well, it's a uh, dolce and amaro. Nice. So bittersweet. Well, I'm going to set us up with a couple of those, then we're going to kick off the questions. How's that sound? It sounds great to me. Perfect. All right, so we're back. We got our pours. Luca, remind us the name, sorry, by the way, of this product for folks that are listening along and maybe might want to Google. Tell us the name. Amaro Santoni. Amaro Santoni. Cheers. I mean, this color immediately, this is, I'm getting uh, just a real nice vivid red right there. I'm I'm just going to roll off some descriptors here. Leaping off the nose to me as, as as like a classic, yeah, like it's it's got that Amaro profile, but it's got there's a fruitiness to it as well that I think the color helps kind of bring out when you're when you're smelling this. Um, any other things that you know comments you have here on just I, tasting this? I, I would say it's an harmony of flavors mm-hmm. that is, it doesn't start when you drink it, mm-hmm. but it starts when you crack your bottle. Wow, yeah. From your perspective, when you open, you're like, ooh, what's this? Yeah. You know how many times it happened to us that you're looking for something, uh, beautiful spirits, and then you crack the top, you're like, ooh, yeah. what's that? You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so we try to engage uh, from the nose perspective uh, because it's really important to us. It's it's beautifully balanced on the palate here, and I I can just say right like this tastes almost like the 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 three citrus Garibaldi itself. It has a sweetness to it. It has like that those those citrus oil and um, just layers of complexity. It's wonderful. So nice to have this just as a little ride along as we're going to head into our final questions today. <laughs> yes, absolutely. The taste I will say that the thirty four different botanical that we are using. They are really complement each other, mm-hmm. you know, and um, the majority of it are locally filled. Uh, Tuscany is one of the greatest region yeah. in Italy. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've been learning it from the gene production. Yeah, that most of the botanicals are coming from there. 
And uh, yeah. No, it's I, a wonderful, wonderful product. And yeah, like we said earlier, like, look, Campari is the classic, but if you are looking for something different, but that fits the bill, check it out, guys. All right. We're going to begin with question number one here, though. What style or category of spirit typically enjoys the most real estate on your back bar? I will say that actually the category, I'm in between two. Mm-hmm. Um, one is gin for sure. I was going to say, this This viewed through the context as well, that you're based in London and gin continues to reign supreme there, I would imagine. If you don't have a gin, I mean, if, if you if you will open a bar without a gin, that it will be really controversial. <laughs> <laughs> Especially in London. I will say that it's essential to have uh, gin and uh, it's one of the incredible categories that we've been learning a lot from it. But as well, liquors. We've been learning a lot as well. They've been moving on from the whole type of style mm-hmm. of drinking liquors uh, to the new way of seeing liquors. And right here, we have the best example in f- from my perspective. But yeah, I would say liquors. Yeah. And uh, I guess as well, what is really contributing to create uh, something really valuable in regards of a category, it's the knowledge of bartenders that they bring along with it. When you create a wow effect and a well-made cocktail uh, with an incredible uh, spirits as gin or a liquor, mm-hmm. that is where you're actually creating the benchmark. And that's what I see mostly in the UK, I will say. Yeah, yeah, nice. They're fighting in between the two. The gin and the liquor, nice. Question number two. Which ingredient or tool do you think is the most undervalued in a bartender's arsenal? I believe the grapefruit, the pink grapefruit. It's an ingredient that is available all over the world and nobody uh, uses it that much. Right. Beyond the Paloma, which again, a lot of people are using soda for instead of fresh pink grapefruit. Exactly. I can't think of any classic or modern classic that comes to mind with it. In. Exactly. And, and you're like, most of the time you find the pink grapefruit right there on the bunch of fruit that is cut in half because they probably use one slice. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I mean, you can use much more out of it. And I think it's one of the most underestimated. But on second place, I would like to say that another ingredient that we can take, as you said, from the arsenal of a bartender is the olive. Mm. We have olive that most of the time in the bar, they're not the greatest one. Yeah, They're yeah. just like whatever is available, the cheapest that your distributor... Uh, have right mm-hmm. why not to find something that it really fits your need get something that is not from your distributor but is a locally you know uh, sold you know in your community in your neighborhood yeah and you can use that olive as a salty part into your drink imagine that you're having a cocktail and then just right in the hand you eating your 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 olive it doesn't need to be just for a martini you know a spritz, for example. Yeah. It can be used for it. Like Veneto as well there again. Yeah. You, 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 know, you know what I'm trying to say? Or, yeah. you know, there is a type of Negroni that, why not? It's an aperitivo in itself. Yeah. You're drinking and you're eating. Nice. That's a great one. Yeah. Look beyond the martini for the olive. Other uses. That's a, that's a great tip right there. Question number three. What's the most important piece of advice you've received while working in this industry? I think... The best advice I've received, it was like, be the host, you know? Mm -hmm. The bar is just a a structure. It's just like a solid piece of wood, sometimes with a beautiful marble right on the top. Yeah, That's what it is, but you are the bar. So make this bar, you know, who you are. And I think that's his key. Being behind the bar and be at the bar, it's like be on stage, you know? Every day, it doesn't matter that you have issue at home or you didn't pay your bills or you got a fine for your car parked, you know, somewhere that you're not supposed to park it. <laughs> Go there with the sense of, you know, I'm here to get other people to experience because they're coming here for my drink. They're coming here for me. They're coming here for the environment, but I need to complement that. So, you know, be a great host. Yeah. Uh, the outcome will be that. I love it. And also just thinking about too, like if you have a really beautiful bar set up, thinking of with my guest hat on here, 
if the bar setup looks amazing, but then the service is really kind of cold or dry, there's no engagement. That almost makes me hate the place even more because I'm like, you have this amazing space and then the service and then what you feel like that's enough or like, not that I'm trying to, you know, throw shade at anyone here, but just, you know, if you do have an amazing space, if anything, you got to live up to that even more and justify it and and really, I don't know, have that impact for the guests. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Um, We are human. Mm -hmm. We, we, We are looking for emotion under different aspects. And if I go to a bar, and I will remember the bartender for his personality, the way how he makes me feel, the way how he's serving me. I will love the whole experience. Mm-hmm. If I go there and I just go there for the cocktail, there is a missed opportunity to yeah. showcase what an experience can be. Not every bar can, can do it, but in your little, you can actually be helping the process. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Love it. Question number four. If you could only visit one last bar in your life, what would it be? In regards of this question, I will make, you know, uh, really simple and straightforward. Right now, I think it would be Sips in Barcelona. Mm-hmm. And I guess, you know, it's, it, it would be the last place I, wanna, I, I, I would like to see it. <laughs> <laughs> and the reason why is because of the experience that you get. Yeah. It's one of those things that is really like so outside the thinking of a bar then actually it really makes you feel like wanted to go back there. Yeah, nice. And a real important movement happening right there now in, in Barcelona. A lot of great places there. People, you know, shining a spotlight. So destination city, if people are looking for somewhere to travel this summer, Barcelona's got the bars. Absolutely. <laughs> Make sure to stop by London first, though, of course, and say hi to Luca because, you know, that's a, you know London's <laughs> a great drinking city too, but... Yeah, good things happening right now in Barcelona. All right, final question for you here today. Okay. If you knew that the next cocktail you drank was going to be your last, what would you order or make? It's a tough question. But the first thought I had in my mind right now, it was a Negroni. Okay. And you know why? Because it's the beauty of the three elements, you know? You have the gin you have the bitter and you have the vermouth. I think that to make it is really cool because it's really simple. Not every cocktail needs to be shaken. You know, Negroni is a stirred mm-hmm. and it's beautiful how it is. But with the fact that you're choosing your Amaro or your bitter, let's call it like that, and then you choose your vermouth, or maybe it can turn into something else like a sweet wine. Yeah. yeah. And you're choosing your gin and you combine equal parts or different depends on that's, is the process of making it is a pleasurable yeah. for me to drink it even more. And probably I will garnish it with an olive. With an olive, yes. That's how I feel like. Love it. And I think as well, like when what you're talking about there too, in terms of turning the Negroni more into a template than just like the standard or the classic recognized, that's really one way where you can make that cocktail really interesting and just take it off in some wacky, wacky different <laughs> directions. Maybe with some, um, you know, rhubarb-based alcohol right there. I'd love to try this in a Negroni. And hey, I'm going to do that just now, but not before I've headed out to go and try and track down some bergamot. (laughs) (laughs) Someone's got to have it here in the city. I think we need to call Tom Cruise because it's a mission impossible. (laughs) Mission impossible. (laughs) Maybe this time of year. Luca, thank you so much, man. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you very much. Thank you, thank you, thank you for your time. Cheers. Salute. Salute. Okay, I know what you're thinking, folks. That was a lot of info. But here's the good news. Every single episode of Vinepair's Cocktail College is published on vinepair.com as a transcript. So you can check it out there all over again. If you enjoy listening to the show anywhere near as much as we enjoy making it, go ahead and hit subscribe. And please leave a rating or review wherever you get your podcasts, whether that's Apple, Spotify, or Stitcher. And please tell your friends. Now for the credits. Cocktail College is recorded in New York City and produced by myself and Darby Seaside, who also composed our awesome theme music. Just give that a listen, folks. I also want to give a huge shout out to everyone on the Vine Pair team, 
especially co-founders Adam Teeter and Josh Malin, editor-in-chief Joanna Sherino, and art director Daniel Grinberg, who designed our killer logo. Finally, thank you, listener, for making it this far and for giving this whole thing a purpose. Until next time. Good news, listener. There's still time to enter the Mount Gay Rum, a taste of home cocktail competition. Inspired by Mount Gay's centuries-long relationship with Barbados, the competition asked bartenders to craft a cocktail that represents what home means to them using sustainable local ingredients. Six finalists will earn the incredible opportunity to visit Barbados and compete for the national title. Head to the link in today's show notes for all the rules and guidelines and be sure to submit your recipe before submissions close at midnight on Wednesday, March 29th.